1: Get on the grid, rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood, Wednesday, August 5th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, live and direct, helping me put the fun in functional sports content. And, Kev, you know I have to start here. Yesterday, we went off air with you and Jared literally mocking me about wanting to play with the Brooklyn Nets on the money line at plus. 1,200 and what do you know, Jared, they get the job done 119 to 116 with really like a G league roster and Jamal Crawford making it happen. We have to talk about this and some of the other games that went down in the bubble yesterday. I want to get your thoughts on this one. Is this like, Oh, the Nets may have something. Oh, the Bucks weren't really trying or, Oh, on any given day, anything can happen inside the bubble, I think the big thing was, oh, they
2: didn't play Giannis or Chris Middleton in the second half. Would have been sweet to know that going into the game. (laughs) And that was, I mean, that's the reality of it. Because at the end of the day, you know, Pat Connaughton and Frank Mason had themselves a lead in the fourth quarter. And what was crazy is, because I was actually following that game because it's like, wow, they're going to really pull off this upset, even if they're now playing a roster of Honestly, similar caliber to a degree, like 100 through four quarters. That never happens for the Dallas Mavericks. I like an over
1: in this Clippers-Mavs game. All right, let me ask you, though, about the highest total on the board, if you like that one. It's 233.5 right now with our friends at FanDuel, and it's the game of the New Orleans Pelicans against the Sacramento Kings. New Orleans laying 4.5, but I got to ask you, as I look at this Western Conference, Kev, is the loser of this game done. You know what I mean? Like whoever takes on a loss here, right. Is going to find themselves behind Portland behind San Antonio behind still Memphis, right? Uh, Phoenix is still there as well. whoever loses this game is only going to have what, four, maybe five games at most to make up. They're going to really be behind the eight ball. You may not think about it that way, but this Pelicans game is going to have a lot on the line, quite frankly, in my opinion, because if Pelicans or Kings go down, whoever it is, is really in a tough spot forward.
2: Yeah, you might even argue the Kings are probably already done here. Yeah. Um, this line is a little bit surprising. You might expect maybe the Pelicans, I would say, maybe closer to six-point favorites. And sometimes those are the kind of things that can worry you. That's not typically the way that I'll play in the NBA, though. At the end of the day, if you're going to give me a line that I think I, I'm getting some value on, I'll play it. The Pelicans looked good defensively against the Grizzlies, and we, I still expect the offense to be there. When necessary, uh, I understand maybe it's a trap line. Maybe the Kings do pop. I get all of that, but I'll walk into the trap if need be. We should be getting a full compliment of Zion Williamson minutes here. Hey. That uh, I was impressed with what they did against the Grizzlies. and I think they should be able to still win the game here, maybe by double digits again.
1: All right. So you like New Orleans and it sounds like you'll lay the points. You think the pelicans can win by double digits. Last time I checked, double digits is more than four and a half. We've got three other games in the NBA to check in on and we will do that after the break but for now let's get all the updates on the news that happened over the night our guy chris
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: We, as always, give our thanks to Chris Welsh, but I am Dane Martinez, along with Kevin Walsh right here on the early line. And, Kevin, we're looking at these NBA games, and, like, it's interesting because, you know, there's only, like, four games left in the season, right? So we talk about kind of the standings and playoff positioning, and we are coming down to it. I mean, the playoffs will get going. I believe it's next weekend they get going with the play-in tournament, if that will need to happen. And I got to tell you something. I never thought I would say this sentence, okay? But here it goes. There is a matchup today with the two hottest teams in the bubble facing off against each other, and it's the Indiana Pacers and the Phoenix Suns, Kev. The Pacers are three-point favorites, Um, you know, but Phoenix really has been scoring in the bubble and looking good. I mean, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and the crew have sort of being, have surprised a little bit. Maybe they're maturing. I'm not sure what it is, but Indiana has been hot as well. They were kind of that team that some of the middle teams in the East almost said that they wanted to see in the first round, but they're hot right now. How do you see this game breaking out? Yeah, look, this is a really fun one here. Uh, you got to get both yeah. these teams uh,
2: there, too, okay? Especially the Phoenix Suns. They had every right to not care about showing up here. Right. Uh, I mean, they were so far back. How were they meant to jump all these teams? Apparently, the answer is upset the Mavs and <laughs> and also upset uh, the, the LA Clippers. And, and now they're within shouting distance here. This is a big game for them. It's a winnable game for them. But it is a little too tough for me to call. I think maybe to a degree because I just don't know how I predict either one of these teams to start 4-0. and It's pretty hard, okay? If I had to, maybe I would just take the points with the Suns, but I'll play this game over. Both these offenses have been sharp, as you alluded to. They've gotten the stops when need be, but I've liked what I've seen from the offenses in these two games. a half, I think is certainly doable in this one. And a little bit of a narrative prop for you guys. Look, everybody's going to be looking to play T.J. Warren overs anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay. With this number uh, sitting at 25 and a half, the over is minus minus twenty one twenty five at the FanDuel Sportsbook. If you prefer not to lay juice, typically, uh, then I could see FanDuel putting this thing to 26 and a half, maybe, by the time it closes, and you'll be laying a little bit uh, less juice on that side. But don't forget, T.J. Warren was traded for a bag of bones by the Suns to the Pacers. Okay. Mm. Now, it's worked out greatly for him. He's going to play playoff basketball without a doubt this year. The Suns still are unlikely to do just that, right? But I could see TJ Warren with a little bit of extra motivation. Here's the thing, Dan, if we like a game to go over, then betting over in the prop market makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, that correlate your action, right? You know, whatever that narrative is where you see the game, then there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat. And if you think it's going to fly over, then, you know, some of those prop bets will go over as well. I want to ask you something here on air that I asked you about before. You know, this Pacers team is surprising. And also, they're zooming overs a lot, right? And people thought that they were kind of a more of a a slower pace potentially, team. What does the offense look like? Is there anything different? Does it open up a little bit? I know we've talked about this because Sabonis is not there. I don't want to say they're better without him, but, you know, this has looked like a different Pacers offense in the bubble. Yeah, they've been rolling. They
2: they've looked to play fast pace. Sometimes it, it could just be a, a situation where you got in the break, you watch the film, and you say, you know what, guys, let's try and push the pace this way. Um, and also, we've talked about this a little bit when you think about Lamarcus Aldridge, right, and how him mm-hmm. being absent can change the shot right. profile for the Spurs. Demontis Sabonis, who was uh, you know an all star this year, was really really good. Maybe makes an argument for an all NBA team, um, but it, you know, not as much of a three-point shooter it can space the floor to a degree, but more more so in that mid-range game. And maybe it changes the shot the, the shot profile a little bit because, again, even though Miles Turner will step out and shoot threes, two bigs on the court it can change the the recipe mm. a little bit. And uh, look, right now it's a lot of run and gun uh, type of uh, approach for the Pacers.
1: Yeah, not something you would ever think about when you think Indiana Pacers, but they are certainly pushing the pace themselves. I want to ask you about another game here, Kev, Lakers and Rockets. This one is very intriguing to me. Okay, we've talked about this. I talked about it in the open. The Lakers have locked up the one seed. They got done up by Oklahoma City yesterday. So now we have the second of back-to-backs with LeBron and AD, and they play a Houston Rockets team. Kev, when I look at the middle of this West, Houston is right now the sixth seed. They are a half a game away from being the four seed, Kev, and seeing the Lakers in what could be a conference semifinal. It is so packed in the middle of the West. How do you see this game? I might, I might try to get ahead of it and think second to back-to-back, to back, maybe this is a spot where we don't see full-on LeBron, we don't see full-on AD, and we know the Rockets have been able to take advantage of the Lakers playing small ball in the past, right? I think the first game after trading away Clint Capella, they saw the Lakers and it was like, "Uh uh-oh, who's going to rebound? And yes, Anthony Davis went off, but the Rockets ultimately won that game. Lakers now back-to-back, Houston with their variants. How do you see this one shaping up? Yeah, it's a very, very interesting game here.
2: Now, keep in mind the Lakers were very good on back to backs during the regular season. Okay. No surprise that these guys are playing in this game. We talked about it a little bit. um, Do we see another
1: one of those short bursts? Could this be a Zion thing with AD instead of like the full 30 minutes? But the thing is, Dane, why would you do that? Because what you you don't need to get these
2: guys ready to play back to backs, you don't play back to backs in the playoffs. playoffs, There's no value in that, right? It's a weird move. You might just say, listen, I'd rather you play 20 minutes here, 20 minutes here, get your conditioning up. But I think you'd have, you have more value in playing 35 minutes and taking a day off and then getting two mm. days off. Of like, I, that doesn't make much sense to me. So the Lakers now coming off of a loss, who have been good on the second leg of back-to-backs, play this Rockets team. I think it's a tough call. But I'll tell you what, we don't have a total right now listed for yeah. this game. But I'm going to be looking to play it over here, and I'll tell you exactly why. Okay? Three-point shooting sometimes... You try and bet live overs because you hope it corrects itself in game. Okay. Burned me yesterday is what it is. They score 86 points. But it usually doesn't stick around for games, okay, plural. Okay, so the Lakers only shooting 13% from three. I'm hoping that regresses a little bit in this game. And the Rockets are coming off a game where they scored 102 points as well. Now, if this totals in the 240s, I won't play it over. I, I can't play totals of 240 over. Okay. I, I just I just right. really can't do it. But if this sits in the 230s. We might have some juice there with an over in this game where we look for two still solid offenses to bounce back and put forth better performances.
1: Let me ask you something that I've asked you before with teams facing the Rockets. I look to the opposing big man and I look to their rebounds prop. Okay, so when I look at Anthony Davis today, it is a big number Kev, for his rebounds prop. And remember, I don't even know if he's going to be playing a full complement back to back, all that stuff. 12 and a half boards for Anthony Davis. That seems, seems like a big number, but it's plus money if I want to go over it. Plus 104 for AD to go over 12 and a half boards. How does this profile with the opposing big man against the Rockets? You know, it's something I like to talk about.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, look, you, you're paying the price for what they're expecting in that game that they played earlier in the year when the Rockets had their small ball group. Right. Uh, we saw Anthony Davis get 13 rebounds right there you know so yeah can he get it yes is it a guarantee far from it so you're really again I, I just think we are looking at a situation here uh where it is going to be very difficult to have a strong lean pre-game because i'm not comfortable betting on the lakers to lose a second game in a row i'm just not right. okay it's happened very few times this season okay but also the rockets coming out and having a, a much better three-point night. What's interesting to me, I will say this, because you've kind of alluded to it there, there's a lot of scenarios where this is now a second-round matchup, uh, of course, right. depending on, on how these other things shake out. Yes. If the Rockets win, do we start to get to this narrative where, oh, they're a bad matchup for the Lakers? But also, you know, do the Lakers then think about that and say, okay, we need this game. Let's go out there and make sure we can beat this team. Or something that you've talked about quite a bit, Dane, do you not want to show your hand too much? And yeah. Do you, do you look to play things a little bit more conservatively? All of this, all of these, are very valid questions, but that's what makes it very difficult to back a
1: side. Yeah. No, I hear you, and I think that is the right approach here. I personally like if I'm Mike D'Antoni, or if I, you know, or if I'm coaching it one way or the other. Um, I don't show my hand. I don't show my hand if I am the Lakers, and that even adds more to the idea of not a full complement of A.D., not a full complement of LeBron. Because the Rockets, and we've discussed this before, the Rockets are going to do what the Rockets do, right? And either it's going to work or it's not. The difference is how you play as the Lakers. I personally mm-hmm. would not show my cards. And, yes, I do see a universe where this is a 1-4 matchup in the West. I know we don't have a ton of time, and we'll continue talking about it, after this break, but Kev, the likely 1-4 matchup in the East is something that also is going on today, and I know we have talked about this a lot. One of our producers, Venmo Brian, behind the curtain over there, thinks we're crazy, but we both think that in a playoff series, if the 1-4 in the East is in fact Milwaukee against these Miami Heat, we are inclined to think that Giannis and the crew can, in fact, go down. Now, listen, Giannis and the Bucs have lost two in a row, Kevin. Are you going to be in any way, shape, or form starting to worry about the Bucs, starting to worry about Giannis? Our teams starting to crack the code, like I've been saying, maybe able to happen over an extended playoff series?
2: No, not really. I, I mean, they, okay. they lost the game against the Rockets that they should have won. It, it slipped away a little bit. And that Nets game, for as fun as it was to see a 20 point dog win. If they, if they play the second half, they win the game They win the game comfortably, okay? So that doesn't really concern me here. This game is interesting, though. You've got the Miami Heat, who were playing on the second leg of a back-to-back and beat the Boston Celtics without Jimmy Butler. You've got the yeah. Milwaukee Bucks, though, who have lost two in a row. What's important to me here is the fact that the Heat have beaten the Bucks both times. This does seem like an opportunity here for the Bucks to really put the pedal to the metal and start to really push it here. Eight and a half might feel high. I can see the Bucks getting out to a double-digit. Victory here, though, as they look to maybe try and make a statement. By the way, Goran
1: Drogic also questionable. Ooh. All right. So fair enough. Availability definitely something we want to watch in this game and in all of the games. Jimmy Butler out. Jimmy Butler out. They included. So absolutely. But the Drogic thing is something Mm -hmm. to keep an eye on. For that, maybe it's also he not showing their cards. We'll have more right here on the early line. Welcome back in, everybody, to this truncated edition of the early line this morning. Dane Martinez and my main man, Kevin Walsh, putting the fun in functional sports content. Kev, we turn our attention to Major League Baseball. There are some big time games. Before we get into the games, there was a, you know, Washington Nationals fans had a collective lump in their throat yesterday when Max Scherzer left his start after just one inning, Kev. It looked like a bit of a hamstring issue. Chris Welsh told us in the news update that, you know, he complained about this even to a previous start. They don't think he's going to miss any extended time, but whoo, if Scherzer went down for Washington, Kev?
2: oh, I mean, look, so George Kirk has made this point to me a couple of times on Endgame Live here. But Remember when we were worrying about injuries, like, you know, wiping out a lot of players? Yeah. It's been happening with pitchers. Okay, think mm-hmm. about Shohei Otani, Justin Verlander, sure. right? Like Kuber. now, some right, like clue, like and some of these things might you might consider more freak accidents, right? Mike Soroka, absolutely. Okay, and right. even the hamstring is not your typical pitcher injury, right? You think Marshall with the arm, with with Max Scherzer, but that is one of the other pieces of baseball news that we don't really have the time for because we're either previewing games or saying, oh no, there are no games due to COVID concerns. But like, there's also just, there's been a good amount of injuries that have banged up a lot of pitchers uh, in this restart. So, yeah, and it is concerning. The idea that they could lose Max Scherzer for an extended period of time, of course, is on the table. And this is not a Nationals team who lost now yesterday, right? You would expect to be able to really be able to withstand that for an extended period of time. They haven't even had Juan Soto play yet.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Juan Soto, though, it does look like is coming back into the fold for these Washington Nationals. Hopefully Scherzer, maybe it's just one start or, you know, they think it's a minor thing, but with a guy like Max Scherzer, you have to pay attention to any little tweak. Kev, I mean, the Minnesota Twins just don't stop winning. I mean, they get another W yesterday, 5-2, and now they're just bringing people out of the woodwork. Okay, Randy Dubak, as in his homecoming kind of debut, he gets the job done. They are up against, again, the Pittsburgh Pirates today. They got Kenta Maeda going on the hill. They're minus 210 favorites. Kev, the Twins, like... How are they going to get stopped? They just keep on scoring, and I don't know that the Pittsburgh Pirates are much of a roadblock today. Uh, you know, they'll be coming back at plus 180. How do you want to slice this one? Would you be willing to play the run line? Minus 126 still for the Twins, even on the run line.
2: Can I just make a point to you about this team's schedule, okay? Uh-huh. So play the Pirates again today, and we've got yeah. three against the Royals then we've yeah. got 3 against the brewers. Then we I told
1: you about this central I told Royals. you about this central absolutely. Then, and this is then where we've got Yeah. Yeah. It's they play the
2: Royals and the Brewers yeah. from Friday the 7th up until the August yeah. 23rd. This team might have 5 losses by that point. I mean like I, it like I, there's an opportunity there. Now, listen, obviously then you got to be cautious as you get to the back end. But there's still a load of Tigers games. In there, okay. And it'll be interesting to see just how hot a start the Twins really can get off to. We talked about it yesterday where we were coming off an 11 and 2 day for the favorites. Yesterday, in 16 games, 10 and 6, dogs win outright. That was kind of expected. So it was a tough spot. Where did you want to back your favorites? The Twins have mm-hmm. continually, though, been a good spot to back your favorites. I don't know how you're betting against this team right now.
1: Yeah. The question though is, do you like, do you, you're okay with the juice? It's over two bills or do you try to play something like a run line to, you know, kind of reduce some of that outlay? Yeah. I think looking to play a run line would make sense
2: here. Minus Minus one twenty five is not bad. That's a considerable drop off. Right. Uh, As you mentioned from the two bills that you would have to lay, it's also worth asking, you know, could we see some more runs? The thing is they're not being scored on. Very much. Nah. Like if you look at their runs against just the last five games, zero, one, four, three, two. Like they're not even getting mm-hmm. scored on very much. So, and they would have covered a run line, if you will, in four of their last five games. Right, so, and the one exception being a game they were down four nothing and came back and won five four. This is a Twins team right now that you're you're just going to want to back.
1: Yeah, and, and and we made this point a lot before the season started, Kez. So to any of our new listeners and viewers, right. We said this. We thought the central overall was going to be a softer schedule for these teams, and we specifically said for teams like the Twins that will have a lot of the Royals, a lot of the Tigers, a lot of the Pirates. We talked about them in the season awards, right? Like these guys are going to get. Berríos is going to get starts against lesser offenses. We also talked about this in relation to the second place team, the third place teams for the wild card chase, right? So not mm-hmm. only will the Twins get to play these kind of also runs, but so will. The Cleveland Indians, so will the Chicago White Sox, when on the other side, you're going to have, like, the Rays and the Blue Jays and the A's in the East and the West playing against stiffer competition. This happened again with the Cleveland Indians, who they get themselves above 500 with a 2-0 win over the Cincinnati Reds yesterday. Mike Clevenger looking good on the Hill. Everybody is all about Shane Bieber, and he right now, at least at this point, is the front-runner for the AL Cy Young. But Clevenger looked good yesterday. Can the Indians keep it rolling? They send Carrasco to the hill and are minus 116 favorites. But the Reds send their ace back as an answer, Luis Castillo. And, you know, maybe some strikeout props should be looked at today, Kev.
2: Yeah, I'm sure people will be looking at in that direction undoubtedly. This is the, you know, this was kind of the pitching matchup that you would expect when these are going to be the team's uh, involved. We weirdly didn't we kind of had things off picks. We weren't getting the ace versus ace matchups that you would expect right. uh when you're going to have an Indians and a Reds matchup here. This is still though a very difficult game to call because I think it's hard to say you definitively want to back one pitcher over the other. Like couldn't I easily tell you in the same breath Luis Castillo had even money, of course, as no. well as yes, Carr- Carrasco at Carrasco at home minus 116, of course. So it's a very tough game I think to say definitively, but I think it's a great betting opportunity because there is value. You usually are getting, you're having to pay much steeper prices for these two mm-hmm. pitchers. If I had to pick the one that I did want to back in this game, though, I would, uh, I think, look to back the Indians. They're just playing a little bit better baseball for me. I like what I've seen from Carrasco. Louis Castillo's been a little bit more vulnerable than you would expect.
1: All right, let me try and tempt you with another kind of bet that we haven't talked as much about here on the early line. It sounds like you like both of these pitchers or both of these starting pitchers on some level, right? Carrasco versus, of course, Castillo for Cincinnati. What about the first five? In the first five markets, sometimes we look at that when we have a big favorite and we want to get lower juice, but what about a total for the first five, Kev? When I look at this, if you like both starting pitchers and you want to take the bullpen and that variance out of it, I'm staring at Castillo Mm -hmm. and Carrasco. The total for the first five is four and a half. If you think that these starters can get through the lineups once or twice relatively easy, if you have faith, might that be another way to play it if you want to ride these starting pitchers, the under for the first five? Yeah, I like where you're going
2: with that, considering that they have not been able to get over that number in the first three matchups here that yeah. these two teams have played. Uh, so I like where you're going with that. I think you got a, I think you got a really nice find there. One other thing that I, I will throw out as well, it's just uh, no runs in the first inning is minus 135. Mm. And again, you look at these two pitchers, that's not a
1: bad price to lay. Yeah, I like that. You know, and and I think it's interesting to note, Kev. Right, there's always a lot of ways to skin the cat, especially if we like these starting pitchers. Maybe we go under early again. That no runs in the first inning is also a very live prop that that a lot of sharps like to play. Kev, we were talking about this Central Division, right, and how they could have an easier path. We love what the Twins are doing. I believe the Twins are now ten and two. If you look at the ML Central, the leader there is also. 10 and 2. I'm talking about the Chicago Cubs. And it's a similar kind of thing, right? The 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 Twins are getting healthy on the damn pirates and also ran of the Central. The Cubs are getting healthy right now on the Kansas City Royals and also ran yeah. in the opposite central. The Cubs are now 10 and 2. They get a six W a six-one win. You Darvish looks good. And also we talked about this before with the St. Louis Cardinals kind of on pause right? The Reds underperforming. Those are the two teams we thought really could kind of be in their face. The Reds are below 500. We just talked about them. The Cardinals now are going to be behind the eight ball. Whenever they get back at it, they're going to be staring up, chasing these 10 and two Cubs. They renew hostilities with the Kansas City Royals again today. How do you see this one? Do the Cubs keep rolling? They are minus 164. So let me just say,
2: yesterday, this game provided one of the most ridiculous in-game live opportunities I've ever come across. What's that? In the third inning, there were runners on the corners for the Royals, okay? Nobody out. In a 0-0 game, Whit Merrifield at that. Keep in mind, the Cubs were minus 200 heading into the game. The live line was minus 176 in favor of the Royals. Whit Merrifield grounds out into a double play. The run scores, and the number drops a bit. But the Cubs are now coming up in the top of the 4th, they're down one nothing, minus 200 favorites with Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, and Anthony Rizzo to take the play. Rizzo actually backed before Baez, okay? And they are only minus they were get they were minus 105 on the live line over at the FanDuel sportsbook. You're usually paying a significantly higher price when you're going to bat. The score was one nothing. The Royals were the team that was leading, were minus 250. It was one of the most ridiculous live opportunities I've ever seen. Dane, we were on it with with Cam Stewart And I was like, the Royals, they're not going to be leading this game at the end of this fourth inning. And they weren't. Hmm. 2 1. The Cubs took the lead, and they proceeded to win this game 6 1. They were one of the favorites that got the job done. They're playing awesome baseball right now, winners of six in a row. And look, there's been a couple of spots where we've tripped up, okay? Where we thought some bad teams would play bad. And we've seen that happen, right? Tigers taking care of the Reds, Orioles sweeping the Rays. The Marlins are the best team in the history of baseball. But there are other (laughs) spots, okay? When you look at the Cubs winning six in a row versus the Royals who have lost six in a row, where, again, for me, I know it's chalky, guys. There's only one way to play it. The Cubs are playing good baseball right now. They're finding ways to win games. And minus 164,
1: if you can find a nice parlay partner, is not bad. No, I agree with you. They are rolling right now. Keep an eye on these teams in the central that could go run away and hide the Cubs and the twins, Kev, we had some double headers yesterday. Yanks and mm. Phils split a double header, and then you know, Baltimore and, and Miami, where the Marlins now sweep the double header, they go to five and one. But Kev, now both yeah. of these teams play again today, right? And we don't know in the same way we talk about NBA, get off the back to back, these teams are coming off double headers. Uh, mm-hmm. does that matter to you with the Yankees, Phil's, or the Marlins? Like, are the Marlins gonna stay hot? Can we be in a universe where the Marlins are the team that surprises everyone and is literally in a playoff chase, Kev? I mean, look, they're 5-1. and
2: one. Like, they're, they're involved. Like, there's no other way to put it. This team is going to be involved right now. And Eight teams will make the playoffs from the National League. Is two teams are going to have to make it from the East. The Mets have been a complete disaster. Yeah. We just said Max Scherzer got hurt. And the Phillies, yeah. uh, you know... They're off. off Braves just lost their ace.
1: Also, the
2: Braves lost their ace, and the Marlins are five and one. You got to give them their credit. Really, on a home game at Camden Yards, they're they're going to consistently be live. You have to ask. Look, this is the thing, though. I probably will pass on the game because I've at least not been able to do better enough to say, okay, saying you must lose is silly. That's how you lose bets going against the Tigers. I can't bet the Marlins
1: to win again. Again? Be five in a row! Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Why not? I mean, you know, all you'd be doing was be betting against the Baltimore Orioles, right? And that's always okay. Listen, it's all a question of perspective. When we come back, though, Kev, we tie a nice, neat little bow on this episode right here of the Early Line. Come on back after Mm that. back in, everybody, to the early line, and I hope you keep it locked on SportsGrid all day long. We're here to give you the edge. We've been dormant for months, right? But we got MLS, we got NBA, we got NHL, we got Champions League, Europa League, we got everything going on. We bring in our guy, Jared, co-host of The Morning After. And, Jared, I want to ask you a couple of things. One, I saw The Morning After yesterday, and your interview with Crack was awesome. Awesome. I like the idea about the hesitancy on the football futures, and I'm with you. I've been on Buffalo also, so the syndicate conglomerate is real. (laughs) What I want to ask you, though, Jared, is, you know, the first major is teeing off in a couple of hours. When you guys are on air from the Bay Area, I heard you guys a little bit yesterday. I've put together a tournament matchup. I want to see if you can get behind, because if you can, okay. there's still a couple hours left. A lot of us are on Brooks Kepka because of his legacy, the idea of third in a row. And I'm with you. I don't like Bryson DeChambeau being disrespectful to the course, thinking he could just bomb and then hit wedges out of the rough. I've got Brooks Kepka over Bryson DeChambeau for the tournament, and I got it at minus 122. You like it? I do. I, I think Brooks is the best player in in the field this week. I, and That's the right. analytics don't say that. And this is one of those classic moments, guys. And, and you know, as a handicapper, you have to kind of get push and pull between these two. The analytics tell you one thing. Your eyes, your gut tells you something else. The analytics tell me that Brooks Kepka hasn't been a good golfer this year. But my eye test tells me that he's back-to-back PGA champion. He's coming out reason. of it, right. These, yeah. these are the tournaments he shows up for. I like Brooks across all fields. Fanduel had a nice odds boost, too. Top five boosted from 220 to 280 for Brooks. I think that's a decent value as well. So I'm all in on Brooks this week. I think he wins the tournament. I've got an outright bet on him. Uh, and I can nice. play him in some matchups as well. All right, sounds good. I know you guys are going to be able to talk about it. You got three hours and plenty <laughs> to discuss MLS, European soccer, Major League Baseball, hockey, oh, NBA, baby. decision Dime in the NFL, all that on the morning after. Keep it locked and get on the grid. You know what it is.